Welcome into episode 206 of the Sword State Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you? Oh, doing even better now that we have the one and only legend Seth Greenberg of ESPN, my guy, uh, former uh, fan, uh, Calipari Fantasy Camp champion under him last year. Uh, he, uh, for whatever reason, didn't draft me this year, so I wanted to make sure that we had him on. So, A, I could talk a lot of trash to him, but B, figure out if he thinks that this Kentucky basketball team uh, is capable of winning the national championship. So, Seth, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Well, you were such a big shot. I mean, you were, like, predetermined. I mean, I tried, I created you last year. I showed you know, all the, the blue-collar toughness that you possess as a player, your ability to finish around the basket, your ability not to take plays off, the world-class conditioning you were in. And then all of a sudden I come up, I didn't even get a chance to, to draft you. I mean, I mean, you were a commodity. I mean, you were an unknown when I found you. And now, you know, you're a, you're a commodity. You're a big-time media mogul and uh, a two-time champion. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I'd lost 20 pounds. I got in shape. I was ready. I, I went out of my way to get myself uh, prime, ready to go for your team. And then I show up and uh, apparently I get passed on the draft boards. And he, uh, you know, I use that as a chip on my shoulder. However many teams pass me, I, I, I use that as, as motivation for fuel to go get uh, number championship number two. So uh, in my return next year, Seth, I'm just warning you now, I, I fully expect uh, me to be your first pick because clearly w w my recipe for success is working. Everyone needs a cause. I just tried to give you a cause. I mean, I think that's, you know, the, the, the very best you do. You, you're a little bit like Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady said, you know, he likes to find the things to motivate his linemen. So all this stuff people are talking about their line, he's, you know, he's just kind of throwing it right at him. Me, I was your cause. I mean, it, you know, very impressive. Obviously, I think, it, you know, it's a brilliant uh move on my part in terms of, you know, finding the inner you and the motivation to make you that much more special. So, I mean, you should thank me instead of trying to give me a hard time. <laughs> thank you. I, I appreciate the gesture, Seth. Um, uh, well, you've been doing this for a while, obviously. You've been around the Kentucky basketball program, very close friend of Coach Cal. Uh, I guess let's just get you started with kind of an intro to how you kind of got so close with Coach Cal where that relationship developed and uh, uh, how you became kind of that, uh, you know, mediator between national media and Kentucky basketball. I don't, I would have called us a national media guy to Kentucky basketball. I, I didn't know John since he was a high school player at Moon Township, but I was uh, a very young assistant coach at, at, at University of Pittsburgh or, you know, or actually even a player maybe. Uh, at Fairleigh Dickinson. So we grew up in a five-star family, uh, a five-star basketball campus, a camp that basically built bridges for all of us who wanted to get into coaching to cross. And uh, it was run by Harry Garfink. And, uh, you know, everyone knows the story. But, you know, John and myself and a, a number of other uh, coaches, we all grew up together in the camp. Uh, it, it, obviously, John's a little younger than me, but uh, it, it, it enabled us to chase our dream. Uh, it gave us a platform to interact with great coaches. It gave us a platform to listen and hear and learn. It gave us a platform to teach and to watch other great teachers. Uh, and, uh, you know, more importantly, it gave us a network so that when we did graduate, we had different opportunities. John obviously went to Kansas as a graduate assistant first. I was fortunate to get the assistant job at Columbia University and then went to Pitt in Virginia and, you know, my, my career. But, uh, 
you know, we always have, we always kind of, we grew, we grew in the profession together. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in this profession, you have very few uh, real friends. You have acquaintances, you have people that obviously you respect, but uh, in terms of friends that way, you, you know, you could bounce things off of them. And, you know, as we both became head coaches and at different levels, uh, you know, we always remained close. And, uh, and you know, I think that, uh, you know, whether I was coaching uh, and I had an issue or he had an issue, you know, it was easy for us to pick up the phone, talk and, and talk through it a little bit. You always want to have other people you can bounce ideas off of that, you know, have a little bit of similar philosophy, but aren't afraid to tell you the truth. Uh, and, uh, you know, we all have the same problems. I mean, obviously, John had incredible, incredible success. But you know, the things that go on on a daily basis, which none of you guys, nothing personal, really understand, uh, it, it you need other people that have walked in your shoes to, to kind of bounce things off of. And, uh, and when I got to you know, doing television, even though I consider myself a basketball coach that just talks ball, you guys consider me like a, a insider media guru dude. Uh, that's not me. Because uh, I, I just have no agenda. Like, John has no problem. If they don't play well. He knows I'm going to tell him, say they don't play well. I mean, you know, I, I used the story all the time a couple of years back when they played uh, a game against South Carolina. I think John got thrown out of the game. They were absolutely awful. We had a game day that that Saturday uh, at in Lexington against Florida. And, you know, after the, the South Carolina game, I just told the truth. I said they weren't a very good team. They weren't selfish. They were selfish. They didn't play as hard as they needed to play. Guys didn't enhance their roles. You know, Big Blue Nation lost their mind. John called me up. He said, you're exactly right. I'm going to play that to our team. And then he goes, when are you coming in for game day? I said, I'm coming in on Thursday because I want you to speak to our team Friday and explain what you said. And I, and that's what I did. And, uh, you know, the, the good thing about John is, you know, like all of us, we all create causes. But, you know, look, everyone has a job to do. As long as you don't have an agenda, he's fine. If you have an agenda, they're, they're, obviously there's a different scenario. The guys that have agenda in this business, they're, they're bad guys. You're supposed to be objective. That's what you're supposed to be. If Kentucky plays well, I'm going to talk about it. If they don't play well, I'm going to be honest about it. That's just the way it is. And uh, as long as you know that, that's how I conduct my business, I have no problem. And, and I've never had a problem with one coach uh, basically you know, being upset you know, with what I said, because the game tells a story, and it's my job to interpret the game. Well, in terms of this year's team, you've always been around uh, them at fantasy camp. You got to see them down in the Bahamas four games. Uh, what have you kind of gotten a chance to see about this team, I guess, both on and off the, the floor? You got to see their personalities, be around them as, you know, seeing them be assistant coaches, goof around with the fans, things like that. Uh, so, you know, what do you know? What are kind of your some of early impressions of, of the upcoming Wildcats? Well, look, they, they, first and foremost, they are really a good group of young people. Uh, they really are. I mean, they're they're fun to be around. They're genuine. They're sincere. They enjoy each other. They enjoy interacting with others. I was so impressed with how all the guys that were working camp, the ownership they took in it. And the ownership that part of camp is, and you know this, Jack, is get, developing a relationship with the people that you're coaching on your team, getting to know people, messing around with their kids, listening and hearing, talking to them, you know, and, and doing some coaching. And that's a really good thing because they, it gives them a better perspective of what goes on during the course of a game. 
uh, and the decisions that have to be made and the way do you got to communicate and you know, the way to put people in position to, you know, they're trying to get a shot for the other team's best player. Well, that's good. So then they understand, but at the end of the game, our best player has got to get a shot. So uh, I was really impressed with them just as a whole, the young people and uh, the selflessness they had, the chemistry, the trust, the way they communicated with each other. Uh, I thought it was really, really, uh, it, it bodes well. You can, you're only as good as your locker room. I mean, that's just the way it is. You're only as good as your locker room, and they're going to have a really good locker room. Uh, there's no doubt But I, I was really impressed with the, the maturity of Jacob and how he's grown, Got not only got stronger, but the manner in which he carried himself. Uh, I thought was really, really impressive. I was really impressed with, uh, you know, just across the board, uh, you know, the manner in which, you know, those guys, just their, their being. Antonio was 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 terrific. Uh, you know, I'm just going through my list of my notes. Uh, you know, to me, Wallace is just a grown man. I mean, he's just a grown man. But in a basketball sense, what I was impressed with, I'm looking at their roster, and they've got – they're going to shoot it better. They have more shot makers. They have more floor gamers. They have more versatility, uh, you know, which is so, so important. Yet they're going to continue to have that uh, defensive mindset. But uh, I think that the agility that John's going to have with this lineup, the number of different lines, he can go big, he can supersize, he can go small. Uh, uh, that, that That's going to be the, the uniqueness of this team. And then you got Oscar, who – He's just a unique individual. Uh, he's just a unique individual. He loves his teammates. He loves Kentucky. He he's genuine about what he wants to do and why he came back. So uh, I look at their team and I I, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun season. Challenging. They're going to get punched in the face some now. I mean, you can't play a schedule like that and not get punched in the face some. But they should be an elite defensive team. They should be explosive offensively. I think they'll play with greater greater flow. Uh, I think they'll extend their defense up even more, a little bit more aggressively. Uh, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. Seth, you mentioned Oscar Shibley there a moment ago. What are you looking for from him? I know the, the, the numbers he had last year, National Player of the Year. Does he have to match what he did? Or even if those numbers dip a little bit, are you expecting a better overall version of Oscar this year? I don't think the number is going to dip because of how hard he plays. Uh, I mean, like he pursues every rebound like it's a pass off the backboard. I mean, he is relentless in terms of attacking the ball off the glass. He's very hard to keep, to keep off the glass. He's got really good hands. I, I think you'll see a, a more. Now, the only way that could dip is if he, you know, he's going to play a little bit more away from the basket. Uh, they're going to put him in some isos like he did. They did in the Bahamas off that high post catch and quick run. Uh, you know, I think that he's improved. You know, I think he'll improve his ability to pass the ball, but he is going to shoot the ball. He'll shoot some trail threes. I think they'll, he'll, he'll pick and pop a little bit, but he also knows he's got to drive it. I think John will find ways to get him the ball in the block. He's going to beat people down the court. So, he, you know, he's, he's going to – I think he's going to be very similar to what he did in terms of his numbers last year, but I think how he gets those numbers might be a little bit different. 
Seth, last year, uh, you know, Kentucky was seen you know, right in the heat of things at Tennessee game at home uh, as, you know, a, a team just as, as likely as any to win it all that, you know, there was a lot of hype about that team. They were kind of firing on all cylinders. Things obviously, cr- you know, crumbled down the stretch. Injuries got in the way, things like that. Uh, how do you think this team has grown from last year to th- this year? The pieces that they've added, you know, the, I guess the difference between Ty Ty Washington, Case and Wallace, Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin and, you know, going into this season. Do you think that the pieces that they added, the growth from the guys that they brought back uh, last season, do you think those different things that Cal did to this roster, that it's enough to kind of put them over that edge uh, going into this year? Yeah, one of the teams that have a chance to win it all. I mean, mean, don't forget Collins. I mean, Collins to me, you know, adds a unique, you know, element to their team. He's so quick. He's so explosive. He's so long. Uh, he's got a great mindset and attitude about him. He's got a good work ethic. He understands what he's dealing with. That's huge. Jacob Toppin, and and, and I was a, a big Brooks fan, but I, Jacob Toppin, uh, if he can play a little bit better through contact, he's got to play through that second hit. Uh, he's a tough matchup on both ends because when you play him at four, he switches one through four. He can block shots. He can get to the offensive glass. He can run the floor. Uh, he can beat you off the bounce. He's shooting the three with more confidence. Uh, I think he's good. I th- you know, you know, like I said, I you know, I I think that Reeves is another guy that has a floor game. He's got legitimate size. He's got a floor game. The end of the season, you know, let's be honest. Kellen wasn't. He was a mirror image. Mirror. I mean, he he was not even close to being who he was. Ty Ty wasn't close to being who he was. And then you know that put a lot of pressure on Xavier. I mean, and look, the one thing I. Somebody's got to take great care of the basketball. He, he, you know, risk and reward. He's got to make good decisions, especially late game. He, ha- you know, he's got to hit more singles. There's no doubt about it. But uh, you know, they're going to do some different things where they play. You know, obviously when they play Wallace and uh, and Xavier together, I think, you know, I- I'd like to see it where you know they can do a bunch of things. You know, they can advance past to either one. Uh, I love step up ball screens for Xavier on the side because now when he turns the corner. They're harder to go under, and when he turns the corner, now he's a great layup shooter. But now he's spinning the defense, and you got all kinds of guys you can pitch it out to, and you got obviously Oscar at the front of front of the rim. So I think the versatility of their lineup is really good. Chris Livingston is a is a Cal type guy. He's a full blast, play hard, take no plays off. He's got to learn what a good shot and a bad shot is. He's got to learn to play to his strengths all the time. It's still a different level. But he's got a motor and, an, and, and a competitive spirit that those are the kind of guys that have done really well with Cal. So to me, the, the versatility of their lineup to me is going to be really, really interesting. And I think they're going to be a, a consistent shot-making team that's going to be able to stretch the defense. We don't even talk about C.J. Frederick. He, he's, a, he's a world-class shooter. And as he gains confidence in himself, uh, that'll be another guy that will really, really be tough. to. And he's a very good – position defender. Uh, he's got a high, high basketball IQ defensively, which a lot of people don't talk about basketball IQ. They always talk about it offensively, but being a high IQ guy defensively is important. You know, I like the toughest that Lance brings. Uh, so they've got they've got good versatility. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a team that's going to continue to grow, and but they're going to have to deal with getting punched in the face. And, and and they're going to have to keep the static out of it because, you know, as soon as they get punched in the face, everyone's going to lose their mind. Look, they were healthy against Kansas. They were healthy against Tennessee the first few times, the first time. 
they weren't healthy at the end of the season. That's not a reason for you know losing the same people. That they they weren't the same team because you know what they didn't have the same pieces. Yeah, and, and we're talking all the good. Is is there an area when you look at this overall roster that maybe concerns you? Like like what's the one thing that you think could hold Kentucky back? I wouldn't say hold back. I'd say find rotations and have respect that at different games, different guys are going to have to be the guy. It was great. You know, Oscar was the fifth leading scorer in in the Bahamas, but you know he can't be the fifth leading scorer. I mean, you know they they got to find ways to get Oscar ball where he wants the ball. He's going to pursue it and get it himself. Uh, I think guys respecting dealing with adversity because in Kentucky dealing with adversity is as big is as important as dealing with success. You've got to deal with both. You've got to deal with all the hype and all the attention and all the notoriety and everything that goes along with being Kentucky basketball because it is different than everyone else. But then you've also got to deal with the you know big blue nation losing their minds at the first sign of blood and. Uh, you know, that's the thing. They've got to shut the static out on both sides and just put good days on top of each other, get to practice. You know, if you if you get punched in the face, you know, learn from move on, stay together, trust each other, understand that each game is a separate entity and might have a separate game plan. But uh, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I think the biggest thing in general at, at Kentucky is is just the, the, the immense pressure. It's a, it's a blessing and a burden. And the grind of the season can never be a burden. And I, I tell this to all these young coaches that I mentor, like you work, you know, your whole life to become a head coach. And then like the grind of the job for a coach or the grind of the season for a player, it can never become a burden. Like you got to get lost in the grind. You got to get lost in your teammates. You got to get lost in the process. You got to get lost in, in the next play. Like these guys have to have a next play, next game mentality and block everything out. I used to do a thing with our guys after we've done film. I'd race the board and say, hey, clean slate, let's go. Let's get better today and go out and practice. They've got to really do a good job with that because there's so many people pulling at these guys because it's Kentucky and, and it's great. But it also, you, you need to figure out a way to manage it. Seth, uh, there's a question here. Uh, Mike Flower asks, uh, have you seen the big guy that Cal added a couple weeks ago? And even if you haven't, just uh, they added Uganda Kingsley on Yenzo, a seven-foot shot blocker. Hey, we just named eight, nine, ten different guys about who's going to be a contributor, things like that. What would you do, you know, at, at, as the head coach when you have a guy like that, you know, very raw offensively, but uh, have such day one impact uh, abilities defensively? Would you throw him in with the Sharks? Would you want to try to incorporate him as early as possible, or would you kind of go? I, I, have, look, I haven't seen him play. I haven't been in the gym with him, so I, I don't know, you know, where he's at. Can he switch a ball screen? Can he get out of the ball screen? Get back into play? You know, he can protect the front of the rim. Uh, you're going to play. You're going to play Oscar 33, 34 minutes a game. So uh, you know, Lance Ware understands what you need to do to win right now, but I haven't I haven't seen him play, so I I can't I you know I I hate here's one thing I don't do, and I know a lot of the I'm a basketball coach. That's what I am. I, I don't project other teams starting starting lineups because I'm not in practice every day, and a lot of guys do that. Oh, you're so sort of no, if you're not in practice every day, you don't know who's going to play because that first of all starting lineup could change depending on matchups on the other side style of play and everything else. But the last thing I would ever do is is do that, let someone hear it, especially in, in this forum. And then all of a sudden it goes, oh, well, man, I thought, 
No, you earn your playing time, but Kentucky especially. There are no promises. You earn your playing time. But I wouldn't want to throw anything out. Look, if he's good enough to play he's and to help him win, you'll play. But I wouldn't play 10 guys just to play 10 guys. That was me. I like to get to eight. Some guys play more. Uh, but uh, look, he missed the whole summer. And you saw what happens when, when one-and-done types miss the whole summer. You saw what happened a couple of years ago. All right. It's just it, the learning curve is too great. Learning how to play hard, learning terminology, learning scheme, learning uh, flow, learning how to play up with other great players. There are so many different things that a player has to go through. Uh, you know, it's really difficult. That's that's why a lot of times, you know, even, I don't care how hyped up a guy is. There's a transition period in a process. And for Kentucky, they speed up that process. In the summer, the summer they didn't have it. Obviously, that that was a struggle. You saw the same thing happen to Duke. The summer they didn't have it. You come into this thing in in August without those eight weeks. Uh, it's really hard to catch up. But as a prospect, and to have a guy that you know is going to be a really really good player, and now he's playing against Oscar Shibway every single day, and you've got this great recruiting class coming in next year. That's that's pretty good. And you talked earlier about this team getting punched in the mouth, and we know that they're going to a non-conference play, Gonzaga, Kansas, Michigan State on that schedule. But when you look at the SEC, Seth, especially in recent Ooh. years, Kentucky's probably going to have a lot of opportunities at quad one wins. Just what is your overall look at the SEC? We know Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas. Just what are your thoughts on the league overall? Yeah, and again, this will be controversial. I think SEC basketball is on a level playing field than SEC football right now. Plain and simple. If you look at the depth of the SEC right now, the number of teams that could potentially compete for a Final Four, can Arkansas be that team with their recruiting class? Can Tennessee be a team? Can Kentucky be a team? Can Alabama be a team? Can Auburn be a team? All right, I think I just named six right off the top of my head. Now, let me ask you, are there six teams in the SEC football that can win that championship? No. No. All right, <laughs> I just named six teams that are probably going to be in the top 15. Would you agree with that? Uh, I agree with that, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, all those teams are really good, and they all play different styles. And, and I didn't even mention Texas A&M. And Texas A&M is not a Final Four team, either, but they're an NCAA tournament team. They're going to get six, seven, or eight teams in the NCAA tournament. The league is really good and really good coaches and schools that now have made investments, obviously, in facilities and coaching staffs and, and, and infrastructure. And now with name, image, and likeness, all right, let's face it, there's a lot of money in the SEC. <laughs> they're let's put it this way: they're used to conducting their business in a certain way. Right. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so I mean, like the like like the league is really tough. It's really tough. I mean, uh, you know, you've got Hall of Fame coaches in this league, and you've got I mean, Arkansas signed three top fifteen players. I mean. Tennessee returns one of the most underrated backcourts in the country in Ziegler and Vistoli, and they, and they, they had that terrific freshman. It was uh, Jalen uh, – I don't have my notes here. 
on my SEC notes. I mean, so, I mean, hey, they, they, they got five new coaches in the SEC. You think they're serious about winning? Yeah, Jalen yeah. Phillips, uh, Julian Phillips, right? I mean, he's, I mean, the league top to bottom is so good. And, you know, it's, uh, and when Kentucky goes and plays on the road, I mean, you know, I, I, everyone jokes about Cal, but you know what? They don't do, they don't do wideouts, you know, you know, Auburn doesn't do a wideout for Alabama. It does, they do it for Kentucky. And Alabama doesn't do, or you know, a crimson out for Auburn. They do for Kentucky, and you know, across the board, that's just, and that's great because uh, when you think about the tradition-rich programs in the SEC, it starts with Kentucky. So that again, that goes back to dealing with the burden. That goes back to dealing with the grind. That goes back to dealing with the pressure. That has you know, compartmentalizing things. Learn and move on. Clean slate. Get better. Don't let it beat you down. I mean, that's that's the big thing to me. Seth, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. It hasn't always been, uh, I guess, here recently hasn't just been sunshine rainbows. There was a little bit of uh, controversy here recently. I'm just going through the comments. The reason what, what brings it up is uh, about four or five of them, John J. Witt says, it's football season, uh, Mark Rat Ratliff. We play Florida Saturday in Gainesville, the Swamp. Um, a lot of... Uh, Pro football comments. Seth, this is a football school from John Coy. Um, Cal definitely got under some uh, just controversial statement by, by bringing up Kentucky as a basketball school. And I know uh, you brought up the SEC basketball versus football. And, and, you know, so it definitely ties in together with this very well. And I'm sure you have insightful comments about it. Just well, from the outside looking in, what did you think of of what Cal had to say when when talking about him needing new facilities here uh, on campus? Just kind of saying, you know, we need to kind well, of – he does need new facilities. He does need new facilities. I mean, that's just – that's not me being a mouthpiece for Cal. I mean, I, Pat Ford wrote something like, Pat, you know what? Go do your homework, dude. I, I can name 50 schools that have better practice facilities than yours. It's antiquated. It's nice. It's not nicer than my practice facility at Virginia Tech. It's not nicer than VCU's practice facility. It's nice, nicer than Illinois. It's not nicer than Arkansas. Auburn's moving into a new one. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, hey, John backed up. You know, he, he pulled back and, you know, he apologized for his statements. But, like, you know, here's the deal. If you say Kentucky, most sports fans are going to say basketball school. That's, that's, that doesn't mean you can't have a great football program. Florida is a football school, won two national championships in basketball. You can have both. That's just the way it is. But – if you know, there's surely a different pressure on John Calipari than there is on anyone else, and he gets paid for that pressure. That's just the way it is. So, I mean, look, it's a it's a good problem to have. Football's done well. You know, Coach Stoops has done a really good job, and and that's great. But you know, again, it's it, it's two different worlds. I mean, what what needed to be said by all parties, all parties, including the administration, is, you know what. We're working our tail off to build the best facilities for everyone here at the institution. And we're going to look into it and we're going to try to see where we're, where we need to improve. And we're going to invest in facilities because we understand recruiting is tied to facilities. And unfortunately that message wasn't sent. Uh, you know, John, I, I think John felt bad about how, what he said and how it came out. Uh, you know, that's just my gut feeling, but I think the, across the board, everyone's reaction was, a little bit overblown. They do need 
to, to improve their housing and they need to, need to improve their practices. So they don't have a place as a staff to meet. They don't have a standalone weight room. They share it with a, a bunch of other sports. Let me tell you something. You walk in the Duke's practice facility, they're not, that practice facility and that weight room isn't for more than one sport. All right. They have a place to meet as a staff. All right. I mean, that's just the way that the locker room is great. The locker room is absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, John did, you know, uh, worked really hard to get that thing built. But a standalone building is 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 what they need. You know, the best programs in the country have standalone buildings that basically are built for men's and women's basketball. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. So, I mean, I that's – look, I mean – in, in the reality of it, of it is that everyone is building new facilities. You've got to stay, you know, and if you're recruiting, you're walking these players into these facilities, the size of the assistant coach's office, the lack of a meeting room. I mean, Tom Islam's film room upstairs in their office complex is, is an incredible theater. Now, obviously Kentucky has theirs in the locker room. So uh, is it a night, is their practice facility okay? It's okay. I'm not sure the people at Kentucky want okay. They want the best of everything. Because that's who you're trying to recruit. That's who you're recruiting against. So, I mean, it's, it's not, look, I mean, they all got to figure it out. They all got to figure it out. But you can have both. I mean, you look, I use Florida as my, uh, as my example. You can have both and be really good at both. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Let me ask you this, though. Is there more pressure on the football coach of Florida or the basketball coach of Florida? It's pretty self-explained. Florida uh, football, clearly. All right, but but I mean that's just that's just the way it is. I mean, yeah. like you know, is there more pressure on Coach K or the Duke coach, basketball coach, or the Duke football coach? There is more pressure on Mick Cronin or the football coach. I mean, that's just the way it is. But I mean, look, look, the practice facility, it, the basket, you know, it's great. But it's not, it's not up to par in terms of the best in the country. And I would think that Kentucky would want to have one of the best in the country. Yeah. That's just me. I'm not, and again, I, you know, I haven't had this conversation. Like, I don't talk. Like, when, when I said what I said, I had not talked to John Calipari. He was in the Bahamas. I was, I was here. Right. So I mean, you know, but they got to figure it out. I mean, you know, football's got a big game this weekend, and they've got a good team. And, uh, you know, Florida's in a rebuilding stage. That's a game you should win. Florida wasn't even ranked, at, at, you know, uh, a couple of, uh, a week ago. You know, they had a, 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 a really close win against Utah. So they should be able to, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the football staff is going in there expecting, hey, we're going to go get a top 12 win. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, look, I was at Virginia Tech, man. I mean, I was out of football school. We, we won a lot of games in the ACC. But we were a football school. I got I had no problem understanding we were a football school. It wasn't like, oh my God, you know, people call it Virginia Tech football school. No, we had a football school that I felt, you know, we were we developed a pretty good basketball player. Well, I never I, lost my I never lost my mind over that. I know you you gotta jump here pretty quickly, right? Yeah, uh five more minutes. Five minutes. Well, uh, let me ask, did you get the chance to see Kentucky's new uniforms that just got released today? What do you think? Uh, classics. 
crime. Then, don't you think the one of the white ones is just a white with the Kentucky with yeah. the UK? Clean, clean and classic, I guess. Well, See, when, I, mean, I don't get caught up in the uniforms. I get caught up in the dudes that don't wear the uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think of the uh, the uh, anti checkerboard talk that this they they had to do whatever it took to get rid of the checkerboards? Did you like the checkerboard look, or do you uh, appreciate the uh, exclusion of them with the newest release? Jack, I don't lose I don't lose sleep over checkerboards. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I mean, I you know, I mean, obviously checkerboard is ties into the horse racing stuff, right? Yeah. So, so, I, mean, I mean, you're, you're taught, you're, you're, you know, that's great. I mean, look, I mean, that's a good looking uniform. I mean, there are a lot of uniforms that don't look, look good. I mean, every team's got 8,000 uniforms. Yeah. I like the little stuff on the collar. I mean, they got 8,000. They're going to have, they're not going to have one with a UK on it. Then they're going to have a blue one. They're not going to have a mixed one. I mean, there's going to be, I mean, that, that's, I think the funniest thing is you can just tell those are shorter shorts. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, if the players like them, that's all. All, all I want to make sure is my guys and the players like them. You know, you know what I mean? Everything they do with that swoosh is to sell product. So they're going to change uniforms to make sure that they can continue to get people to buy new product. So... Yeah, the uniforms look fine. I mean, how the warm-ups? How's the practice gear? You know, I mean, it's part. It's part of the gig. We got to ask. <laughs> no, no. I mean, look, it's I as mean, controversial it, it, as as the players that are on the floor themselves. It's 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 BBN. So yeah, I mean, look, look. We love going to Kentucky. We love you know calling games there. Hopefully, I you know we, I I would think that the Kansas game would be a game that hopefully we we make our way to. Uh, and it, you know it's fun. Look, they've got a, you know they've done a great job with facilities. They did a great job with their baseball facility, supposedly. They've done a really good job, obviously, at the football practice facility. Uh, you know, Kentucky's a world class athletic program, uh, and uh, you know this could be a great great year across the board. And then they'll have fancy white uniforms without the checkerboard. <laughs> David would ask which team with a new coach this year will be a surprise in the conference. That was for you. That's a good one. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I think of this year, I don't think any of them, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think any of them are going to just, you know, jump out. LSU lost their whole team. SC lost a good majority of, of their team. Mississippi State's start from scratch. I mean, they'll, they'll get, they'll get some, you know, some dudes. I think, I think that Georgia will be the biggest surprise and that I think they'll be I think they'll be competitive. I think Mike he's, he's got enough kept up the right guys and got enough guys. I think Florida um will be a situation where like uh, I like Lofton a little bit. You know, I like you know they they've got some pieces. I'm not I'm not as high on Florida. Some people have Florida in the top twenty five. I don't have Florida in the top forty five. You know if you watched Lofton against you know Virginia Tech and some of those other schools. He's a little undersized. I mean, he you know he's he's a nice player, uh, but I think it'll I think it'll take a little bit more time. I'm not I'm not I'm not crazy about him. Just let me see my notes on Florida's roster. I went down and I just finished my thumbnail sketches, and now I'm going to, to break more stuff down. I've got 115 schools broken down. Uh, you know, I mean, Castleton, obviously, 
is a legitimate front court guy that can block some shots and rebound the ball. You know, everyone has this kid, Kawasi Reeves, as like this breakout. You know, he, he scored when, when they had injuries, but, you know, every team has a leading scorer. you got to understand that. So I don't lose my mind on any, any of that stuff. The kid from BMI is supposed to be pretty – have a nice floor game, and obviously Lofton's a nice player. So uh, Fudge is a, a guy that is more athlete than player. I mean, I, I, I think that Georgia – to me, I thought they. I thought. I thought that Mike was underappreciated at Florida. The consistency in which they played was underappreciated. Well, let's get you out of here with this. I know you're uh, tight on time. Who was your favorite Kentucky player to cover, watch uh, in the John Calipari era? Uh, I guess the last 13 years uh, here here in Lexington. I don't have a favorite player. I just, I mean, like, they, you know, I, I like the Aaron. I like, I mean, there were so many, all those kids were really not, they have, like, you know, one thing that, that's underappreciated and underreported, right? Cal's been here how many years? 13. 13. 13 years. Have you seen any of those guys ever get in trouble? Very, 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 very few instances of anything like that. I mean, like, it, it like, 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 it, it, it is kind of amazing that the microscope that they're under and they never have an issue. And when they, when they go to the pros, they end up winning, you know, the, 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 the humanitarian awards and, and the community service awards, and they give back and reinvest in their communities. Uh, you know, Carl Anthony Towns was a kid I knew forever. I did a piece on him before he got drafted. Loved him. It's hard not to love Oscar Sheway. I loved Kellen Grady. I loved you know, they just had really easy kids to be around. And I think that that is underreported. Because in the society that we live in today, where with social media and everyone under a microscope, uh, it, they've got guys that make good decisions and and do the right things. And, you know, I see this picture of Anthony on, you know, on the board. I mean, like, they just had really good people. And he holds them accountable and he teaches. I mean, people do not understand through all the gyrations and the passion that John coaches with, he has that same passion about making sure these guys understand how to be productive people in, in the real world. And 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 like no one talks about it. I mean, it's it's like it's like a non-factor. Obviously, he's got he's just gotten this great award. Uh, I think it was this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But, but like, like, think about it, like, and this is again, he because he's done so many times. How many guys spend as much time as he spends uh, doing phone fines when, when when things happen in the state to, to help less privileged and making sure you go around to the Bahamas and you do the Samaritan feet, you know? Yeah. I mean, all those things. He doesn't have to do any of those things. He's John Calipari, he's the head coach of Kentucky. He doesn't do any of those things. He's raising millions and millions of dollars, uh, you know, to help, to help people that are less fortunate. Doesn't have to do any of those things, but he does it. And like, so like with a little blip with the practice facility and the, and the football, who right. cares? That, <laughs> that, that pales compared to all those other things that are actually impacting people. Like impacting people in a way that, that need it the most. 
And, and, and that's the thing I don't understand is that, you know, it, it, it's almost like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it, it, those things don't just happen. Mm-hmm. They happen because the person actually has a passion to impact others. I think that's that's something that is, I, I, I joke around with a lot. He's the most under, misunderstood coach in America. Because, you know, you know, back in the day, he was the guy in the, in the black hat. And, you know, Kay was, you know, riding on uh, uh, on a horse. I mean, yet, like, he's done so much for others. And I, that, I think that's one of the reasons I have so much respect for him. Because the other stuff is exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's, it, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. It's exhausting. So I, th- I think those things are sometimes taken for granted. Yeah, the coolest part of being in the Bahamas was a private team meeting the first night down there, and Cal just to the players themselves said, "Use this platform for good. Spend five minutes to you know shaking extra, a few extra hands, sign a couple extra autographs, taking a couple extra pictures." Said, "Your five seconds with one person is going to make their entire year, their entire life, however you want to describe it." And and you know that wasn't for cameras, that wasn't for you know, me to regurgitate to, to, you know, platforms like this. That was because that was what he is behind the scenes. That was real Cal. I thought that was the most fascinating part of that. And it's every interaction I've had with him, it's been the same thing. So, yeah. And that's the way he's been, you know what, that's, they, you know, look, you got to understand, he comes from very meager upbringing. I mean, you know, his dad was a baggage handler at Eastern airlines, you know, I mean, he understands, I mean, like none of us got into coaching back in the day to make money. Because there was no money in coaching when we got into it. There was no money. My first job, I made twelve five. My first job, we probably made 3000 None of us got into it for money. We got into it because we fell in love with the game, and we got lost in it, and it, we were just all following our passion, and it was, it was fun. And, you know, so, I mean, I think, I've, oh, yeah, it's, it's never been about, you know, again, I can't speak for someone else, but I mean, it, it was never about money. So, um, Jeremy Roberts had one quick final question: Is this Kentucky team a potential Final Four? And then we'll get you out of here. Yeah, yeah, they're one of the teams that can make the Final Four and win that championship. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, again, it's hard. You got to be lucky. You got to get the right drawer. You got to make sure you don't have to pick a bad day to have a bad game. Uh, you know, stuff happens. I mean, if you if you said if you said that. North Carolina was going to get the championship game in January and Kentucky was going to lose to St. Pete. All right. People would have said you're certifiably insane. Right. Season's long. You got to stay healthy. You you know, certain things have to fall in place. So, but are they a team that has that potential? Without a doubt. Look, you've got the player of the year. You've got versatility. You've got shot making. You're always going to defend. You've got great length. And, and agility to, to to play a lot of different ways. So, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Seth, I appreciate you coming on. Jackie boy, my you pleasure. Have, Next time I'll invite. see if I get you on my team. But you're such the man now. You're like Kevin Durant. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're going to come to camp next year, and you're going to have all these demands. But I went four for thirteen from the free throw line. I don't don't I don't think that I, late I, game we went. That's bad coaching. Don't put you in the game late game. You're right. I dominated every other facet of the game leading up to that point, and then I just crumbled at the line. So. Uh, just just take me out in the last two, three minutes and, and you got yourself a championship on your hands. 
just get in the gym. <laughs> Seth, appreciate you coming on as always. You have an open invite whenever you want. Yeah, thank, right. thanks, Seth. Appreciate you. Awesome stuff there, Sean. That, that was an absolute honor. Lo love my guy, Seth. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed enjoyed that. Just just sitting back and listening to him talk, letting him kind of take over the uh, the platform there and just kind of speak and tell stories and what he expects from this team. And I think uh, he expects a lot of the same. I mean, uh, Jacob Toppin, one of the first guys he mentioned there, uh, uh, C.J. Frederick. I mean, there's so many guys on this team that you got so far into it, and then he realized I hadn't even mentioned C.J. Frederick yet. So, yes. like, you're just seeing how deep this team is. But that was a really good interview. Yeah, it is great stuff. And we, we, you know, we've obviously gone in depth, you know, last week we did the, you know, kind of post Bahamas breakdown, our personal thoughts. So we don't need to regurgitate all those. We need to get to the matter at hand, Sean. The big news of the day, Kentucky basketball gets new uniforms. It is the most polarizing, controversial topic, as we talked about with Seth. Everybody and their mother wants to know the latest and greatest about the uniforms. Get rid of the checkerboards. What's it going to look like? We finally get our answers. And me personally, I'm very, very much I'm, impressed. I'm, I'm a fan of them. They're, they're like Seth said, they're clean, and I think that's the biggest thing that I like about them. I, I love the top. So if we're rating, if we're rating them overall, I got to give them at least a nine. I think it's a great uniform. I know there's going to be some people that are probably going to be nitpicky when it comes to the stripe down one side and then just the logo on the other. Kind of starting to wonder if that's just like a new look that maybe Nike's doing there with with just a logo on one side, one hip. And then the stripe on the other. The thing I like about it, it kind of takes me back to 1998 when Kentucky won that national championship with the the way the stripe is there, the colors. The top to me is a 10 out of 10. I think the top is perfect. I love the gold on the back there, the UK, the gold standard. I love the clean look with Kentucky. I think the top is perfect. And then Seth mentioned that the shorts do look shorter. I think those are made to be shorter that way. I, I think it's a very good looking jersey. I can't wait to see the blue. Yeah. Uh, so. I think I, I think I cracked the code. I think I figured out what the deal is because if you go back and I, I tweeted this out, I think if you go back to that 1992-93, 30-year anniversary of, of that Jamal Mashburn Final Four team, they started doing the, uh, a, the um, asymmetrical kind of look with the shorts and they had the UK logo on the right uh, thought you know right outer thigh and then it kind of had the the kind of uh, swoop stripe going up the left side and left hip obviously it's you know it's it's a different jersey brand new updated jersey but I think they went out of their way to kind of find little you know tidbits of past UK uniforms to kind of create a brand new look and keep it fresh but at the same time kind of pay homage to some of the past jerseys that we've seen at Kentucky in the past like that one in particular with with Mashburn the UK almost identical to the one that we see now except with the updated logo with the kind of stripe going up the yeah. other side I think I think that's what Nike was thinking when they were doing this they wanted you know the uh, the curvature of the Kentucky above the numbers clearly you know kind of that late 1990s early 2000s look that you know uh, the racing stripes down both sides I'm pretty sure that's what Nike's goal was when when they were doing all this they wanted to you know kind of respect the legacy of Kentucky basketball while also you know continuing to be you know progressive and moving forward and and uh, you know the traditional sense what, what do you think of the secondary logo the wildcat there on the uh, on the waistband 
you know, it's it is what it is. I it's like it's got to it. be on there somewhere. I mean, they, they I mean, use it and everything else. It's their new logo. I mean, they, they chose that as their new logo. I mean, you can't just say, "Whoops, we don't really like it." <laughs> now, several, you know, five years, four years into it, however long they've had it now, I mean, you can't just start from scratch. So. I think I think people will take that trade off with no checkerboard. I think they'll be like, "All right, cool, put that cat there." <laughs> so, yes. No, it looks good. Yeah. I think it looks good there. It, it is what it is. Uh, I will. However, Ad, I do have a, a little bit of scoop here at the, the tail end of the show. If you guys listen this far, we'll uh, we'll, we'll slide this in. Um, this ain't the only one they're rolling out, Sean. We got alternates coming, and they are throwback mm. alternates. Mm. And I, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be something. I have not seen them with my own two eyes, but... Are we talking denim throwbacks, or are we... Actually, interestingly enough, they tossed the idea out. To Nike, it was a conversation that happened. The idea of Oscar Sheboy rocking a denim uniform, Sean, just had me just mind blown, excited. Unfortunately, it was not. Uh, it was not something that they could uh, because Nike owns Converse, so it made sense. And then you have the you know connection with you know some of the past you know former players signing with Converse and you know different, different things like that. It made sense. They could have made it work, but it was not something that Nike wanted to. Uh, move forward with, but I will make it very clear that uh, alternates are coming and they are throwback alternates. So let's. And I hope we continue with this releasing one at a time thing. I I like it. I like the, let's, let's build up some anticipation. Let's get the blue ones next. Let's get the red ones next. And then let's see that alternate. And uh, if this is the start of it, I think fans are going to be pretty happy when it, when it comes down to, to late October, November, when they put these things on for the first time. Yeah, and I like that the the Bahamas version was, you know, the, these are similar but different enough to where that was a fresh look. Like that's, you know, yep. that's how we remember that that era, you know, this summer, you know, how we remember Case and Wallace for these next couple months, things like that. It's that was a new fresh look. It's 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 different. I like I, I like that they didn't just throw on their old practice uniforms and just say, you know, let's roll the balls out and let's go. They wanted to do something innovative and different and new and fresh and things like that. I, I love those looks. You know, they were different and you know there were some backlash about oh we don't black isn't a UK basketball color. Why are we trying to look like you know the baseball jerseys with the you know kind of uh, you know cursive font with the Kentucky uh, and the blue jerseys? I loved what they did down in the Bahamas. I thought that was a cool, unique look. And when we look back on that Bahamas, you know, week, you know, the next couple of years, we'll remember those pretty cool, unique uniforms. And I think this is just kind of another one-off of that uh, with what Nike did this week. I think, I think the release was awesome. I love the timing. I know there was some talk. Why are we doing this right now? It's like, well, you know, when are you going to do it? Why wait? You know, we have media day coming. We have, you know, photo day, things like that, where you're going to see them in the uniforms now. I mean, yeah. I, there's no better time than now to make it happen. I, I I didn't disagree with the timing of it or whatever. Big big fan of uh, the the way the way they released it and what they release themselves. Yeah, I mean it's what ten weeks until the Champions Classic now. I mean, when are you going to release these things? I mean, you, you got to start rolling some stuff out now, and uh, I think they look amazing. Uh, I really do. I, I'm pleased. Uh, I think majority of BBN is going to to love them, and I honestly I can't wait to see them under the lights at Rupp Arena and out there and uh, wearing them for the first time because I bet they're going to look even better when everybody's out there and all five of them on the floor at the same time. Absolutely, well, we're obviously in you know kind of football mode right now. Big game coming up this weekend yeah. with Florida. 
but this show isn't going anywhere. We are recording and going live every single Tuesday night. And, you know, we're going to have special guests coming on. We're going to continue to do cool things like this to kind of keep that excitement going. Again, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be a football school. It doesn't have to be a basketball school. We can continue to talk about both. We have three freaking podcasts going on at once with, uh, you know, talking UK football. We have time to fit in an hour a week on Kentucky basketball. So we're going to continue to do that. We're going to be very excited about it. We're very happy about uh, some of the guests that we have lined up. We're, uh, you know, I talked to to Dominique Hawkins today, talked to uh, Todd Lannard about coming on to talk NIL, things like that. They are all all in on coming on. Obviously, Seth Greenberg today, that was a guy I wanted to make sure we got on uh, early and, and as quickly as possible because, you know, that's my guy. I love him to death. So, uh, But we have some some very cool guests in the works, and we're uh, excited for it. And, and you and I were talking. You you messaged me, I believe, yesterday, and you said, what are we going to talk about? Because we were like, nothing had happened, right? Like no, since we had just we talked. Yeah, we couldn't just repeat everything that we said last week. So, you know, grateful for Seth to come on. I think that was a very solid interview. And then Kentucky just happens to drop their home basketball jersey. So if anyone was listening, thank you for that, because that gave us some content as well. But no, I, we're getting into that time of year, Jack, where this show is going to start picking up. You know, September and October, we're going to be doing, but I like this version because it allows our listeners to be engaged with us, to ask some questions, to be involved with the show, because it's different than me and you just putting a mic on and just talking and recording them, listen to it. I, I love the uh, the Tuesday night edition where we're live. Uh, Alan Langford asks, question isn't if we get an alternate uni, it's uh, if we actually wear it, we, we get black and gray from time to time, but never rock them. They're going to rock them. I'm, yeah. Mark my words, they're going to rock the the new ones this year. They're they they have several kind of in the works right now. You're going to get a a white, you're going to get a blue, you might get a black alternate, something like that. Um, but the, those might be spaced out over the course of a couple seasons or however they want to do it. You know, that's obviously it's still brand new, it's still in the works, things like that. But they have one in mind that they are ready to roll out this year. They're, you know, the, the excitement of it is, is very much in the air uh, around the, the UK. You know, this is when the Nike contract ran out. It was time uh, on all sides to kind of just hit reset, hit, hit, you know, get a fresh look for everybody. UK hasn't uh, since that Jersey change to the checkerboards, there hasn't been a final four run. And I think that's kind of a, a superstitious thing in the back of UK fans mind. And we just kind of had to hit reset and, I know UK probably didn't think that, but at the same time, they're like, they're like, you know, we might need to just kind of hit reset for various reasons. So it's like Seth wiping the board clean, right? After after meetings with his team, just wipe it clean. Let's start all over here. Let's see what they do in, in this new look. Absolutely. Let's. Uh, uh, we're not going to go too too long. We wanted to keep. We want to keep these right at an hour or underneath. So uh, we will definitely kind of hit the home stretch here. Um, Titanium Titan says little late. Any recruiting basketball news? I will say that this weekend uh, starts the beginning of the um, in person recruiting period, where the coaches are, are able to hit the uh, recruiting trail again. You're going to get updates on Coach Cal is in. Philadelphia going to see whomever, you know, uh, New York to go see Ian Jackson or, you know, out West to see whoever we're going to start seeing those updates this weekend. So we're going to be getting some, some news in that regard, maybe some new scholarship offers, you know, things like that. That could definitely be, um, you know, UK knows exactly who their remaining targets are in 23. That's a, a done deal. We, you know, they, they know exactly who they want. We talked about that last uh, week. Nothing has changed. You know, they're still extremely confident in DJ Wagner. They like where things stand there. They're still in a fight with Ron Holland, uh, who is just now coming off of a Texas 
uh, official visit. And then Aaron Bradshaw is another guy that they're still going all in on. And, you know, those are their last recruits. If they don't get those guys, there's really not anybody that they're in love with. And it's too late in the process. If anything, they'll hit the transfer portal or, you know, try to get some of these guys on this current roster back for next year. So, uh, that, that's definitely not going to, to change. They have their guys locked in, but the class of 2024, it's very fluid. They have a kind of a list of guys that they're, uh, you know, zeroing in on that they like quite a bit, led by Trey Johnson and Ian Jackson. At the top of that list, there's some other names uh, out there that they're definitely uh, intrigued with, and we're going to get some news about who they're going to see, when they're going to see them uh, here this weekend. So uh, be on the lookout for that, Sean. But uh, I think now is a kind of a solid stopping point here. We got our cool interview with Seth and, uh, uh, you know, got some some uniform talk. So I think now is a, a pretty solid stopping point. I do have uh, one quick message from our friends at Athletic Greens. You know, I, I love my uh, my green juice. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I had ramped up my daily workouts and eating a cleaner diet. Athletic Greens was the perfect complement to my efforts in getting healthy. The thing is, I didn't want a chalky, nasty, bitter supplement that tasted like grass clippings. I wanted something I genuinely enjoyed with a mild tropical taste. It's a drink I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods. Uh, probiotics and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And it has 7,000 uh, five-star reviews, so you know it's reliable, it's trusted, it's recommended by professional athletes. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your health to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash pilgrim. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash pilgrim, P-I-L-G-R-I-M, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Sean Smith, that wraps up the show. Uh, tell fans where they can find your work. You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources Save podcast. We will see you next time.